Hello everybody and welcome back to Discerning Consciousness. I'm your host Ant and once again I'm joined by Mike for today's uh, today's show. Hello Mike. Yeah, how's it going? Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. Good to so hear. in today's um, episode what we're going to talk about is the uh, Pfizer BioNTech vaccine uh, which has recently been approved for use um, here in the UK. Um, which is going to be actually administered to people in the coming days, which is um, quite a scary thought, Mike, if you think of the information that we're going to share about this. Yeah, because um, even though this vaccine might be promoted in one way through some research I've been doing for all this episode, mm. it's going quite the opposite. So um, mm, Yeah, exactly. So... Um, just a brief uh, rough outline of what we'll be covering uh, today, Mike. So first of all, we're going to just look at the issue of vaccines in general uh, before looking at the uh, Pfizer-BioNTech um, vaccine in detail and why why perhaps um, we should be concerned and, and what's different about it. We'll then very quickly look at um, how we can expect uh, the uh, vaccine to be promoted in the media and whether this is inevitably going to lead to a digital health passport, um, which we've spoken about before, of course. Right? Which we know that the powers that be really want because it's easier to track and trace and control people if it's like, well, you can do what you want to do if you haven't got the vaccines. Yeah, sure. So um, as a layperson, Mike, when it comes to issue issues such as vaccines, as you know, I'm going to be relying heavily on your interpretation of the information that you've managed um, to gain because it's important to share with our listeners there's a lot out there and yeah. um, we can't we still don't know the actual um, individual ingredients do we uh, of the vaccine well they tend to try and make it as hard as possible for people to find out even in the standardized um, vaccines that are around the world at the moment mm. like if you're just um, you know walk into a hospital or doctors go right I need my jab if you actually ask at any point, can I see the um, health insert, you know, the, the terms and conditions, you know, the side effects of what that vaccine may be, um, most doctors will tell you you can't actually see that information. Right. Well, so it's quite hidden just for the standard stuff, let alone this brand new stuff. Mm. So if we start, um, Mike, with this idea, as I say, for... Um people uh listen such as myself who are lay people can you um can you explain to them and myself how do traditionally vaccines work right before i get into this properly i just want to have a little disclaimer here to say that um even though i view myself as quite a scientist and like researching things and just finding out how everything works in general i will admit my speciality is in rather physics and chemistry not so much so in biology and, and virology so even though i know a fair bit it's all surface level information okay. but i will present what i can to you in the best way i can okay so let's start off with the the schoolboy idea of vaccines, everything we get taught when we're going through school, um, it's a very simplistic idea um, that you get essentially a nobbled or weaker version of the virus yeah. injected inside Sorry, you. So you say novel? Nobbled. Oh, um, is that what it's called? Um, it's the idea of like if you were to fight, you know, uh, Mike Tyson, you wouldn't stand a chance. But if you broke both his kneecaps before you start <laughs> the fight, you might have a chance. <laughs> Even as someone in his mid-50s. <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about, a nobbled version of the virus. It's okay. essentially cut down. It's less likely to actually infect you. It's a dead floating around version of it in your system, which your immune system suddenly goes, ah, that shouldn't be there. Let's fight this off. And just like stealing candy from a baby, it fights the disease. You're, you don't even realise it's going on because the virus isn't actively trying to do its thing because it's half dead right um so that's how vaccines were were first introduced and first worked in this world and pretty much on the whole of it that's how vaccines have worked up till now mm. um like there are certain vaccines out there that don't even have the whole virus in its um in the vaccine itself yeah. they just have a certain part of the virus that our body needs to learn how to react against and that will do the job right 
Um, so that's how vaccines have worked in the past. And that's all been well-researched, well-developed over many decades, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, this whole vaccine idea actually started off um, going back several hundred years, actually. Oh, how um, long ago is that? Yeah, it was all to do with um, smallpox and what's known as um, bovine pox. Right. Because it turned out that um, these smallpox left you with skin abrasions and, you know, deformities, so people didn't look too nice right. after they got it. Um, but what they found is um, milkmaids yeah. seemed to be impervious to that. Not only impervious to it, they had such fine, amazing skin that everyone, yeah, everyone used to love the milkmaids. <laughs> um, and then mm. it turned out that they figured out that there was um, bovine pox, was actually what these milkmaids were getting, right. which was a less serious version because it couldn't attack the human um, system very well but because it was designed to attacking the cows right um so when their immune system learned how to fight off that suddenly smallpox came along and it was like well you've got no chance in that body right and that's why the milkmaids were always seen as healthy right so they after doing tests and finding out yep that's what's actually happening that's when the first idea of immunity uh virology and vaccines essentially started about mm. um so it's quite interesting, though, that over the years, um, that simple idea of vaccines has been uh, more changed or yeah. added to mm. um, generally just to make more profit for, for companies, sure. which have normally had bad side effects on, on the human. Because um, one thing about the schoolboy idea of vaccines is vaccines are always safe that there's no potential damage to them mm. and that simplistic idea is just not true mm. i mean take the fact that um companies these days actually have a certain amount of immunity to all damages a vaccine could do so even like prosecution yeah so the company wouldn't be prosecuted or fined because of it only the governments of that country where it's no. been happening um now I know there's a huge like anti-vax movement at the moment. Anti-vax, well that's a derogatory term in and of itself. Well, I don't see it too much as derogatory, just a statement to to define yeah. certain, certain people. Um, and that's mainly linked to the um aluminium adjuvants they use in vaccines to right. generally um keep its shelf life for longer. Right, and is that the link to autism? Um, there's there's a supposed link to autism, which, to be honest, because there's so much money involved within the vaccine programs out there, mm. um, to actually get the true information and find out what's going on is just impossible to but do. But I guess the point I was alluding to, thank you for that, before was the reason why anyone who has doubts over vaccination is um, they get the title of uh, anti-vaxxer is it precludes having a proper discussion that's how you close down investigation that's the whole point of yeah. that sort of talk at the moment um yeah so i just wanted to bring in the idea that um even the simplistic idea of vaccines um which we were taught at school which i honestly think is a fairly good idea i just never want one myself because i'm literally para um, paralyzed afraid and scared of hypodermic needles that's full right. stop pfizer biontech they've got a tablet for you <laughs> well i definitely wouldn't get that new stuff anyway um so it just goes on to the idea that even though i mean like take for example there's a there's a vaccine out there at the moment that's been going around for at least five years that i know of called gardasil for cervical cancer yeah so originally that was being promoted to, to all women to get because teenage girls yeah um which i was quite worried about them linking that to um sterility at the time yeah more of the sterility issue in a bit but um it turns out that this vaccine was not only then promoted to girls it was promoted to boys just so they could make more money out of it um now it's turning out that this vaccine is leaving um quite a lot of people um disabled um left mm -hmm. in wheelchairs or other neurological so conditions on what grounds could they promote a vaccine for boys when they don't even have um, the same kind of anatomical makeup, shall we say, as women. Well, I think the idea of the whole having sex 
carrying over certain things. They were like, well, I offer to protect the boys against it and protect the girls from it. There's no way you can get it. Right, so they, they promoted it on that basis. I even believe so, yeah. boys don't have a cervix. Okay. Um, <laughs> look, this world gets weird. What can I tell you? The more, <laughs> inform- the more research you do, the more you realise, the more you're like, what the hell is going on? Why are they doing this? Yeah, and mostly sure. it's for money reasons. Sure, yeah. Um, but it's not just that this vaccine itself is going through a period of um, court cases to see if it's actually should... The Gardasil one. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not only that. If you look throughout history, there's almost like 50-odd vaccines that in the past, has, say in America, were approved by the FDA, yeah. were then turned out after like 20 years of doing the vaccine going, actually, this is doing more damage than good. So they've literally banned it. So can I check... Um... Once, so say, is it the FDA in America? Yeah. If they approve a vaccine, does that mean it's, it can only be um, administered in the US? So how do you get like a global approval? Um, honestly, I don't know on that one. Right. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's approval in each individual country or doing? each individual region. Right. Um, like. Um, so you would have like for the EU. Yep, so you've got an yeah. approval for the EU, another approval for America. Sure. If you want to do it in um, Russia, you need a certain approval for it there. So that's why there's this issue with the Pfizer-BioNTech, uh, because we're leaving the European Union, our regulatory framework's slightly different, is that correct? Um, or approval? Well, to be fair, again, I'm more of the science guy rather right. than the legalities guy, um, so I don't know 100% what's going on with that mess. Mm. But one thing I do know is um, this new vaccine is getting approved under emergency powers. Sure, yeah. Um, because it is literally a brand new type of vaccine, yeah. which um, they haven't really done the health impact study of going like years down the line. Yeah. So did you have anything more you'd like to add on vaccines in general before we move on? Yeah, I just wanted to add the general sense that um, the standard type of vaccines that we all kind of know about aren't the kind of like the perfect silver bullet cure for everything like they'd be made out to be. Mm. Um, They do have bad side effects, you know, even if it's only for like one percent of the population, Mm. if you're doing that to everyone, um you know on a planet with seven billion people that's still like what seven yeah it's like when they say they um only you know a few percentage of people had an adverse reaction well they've still experienced that those people just because it's a smallish group that that doesn't um that doesn't detract from what they've experienced exactly um so you know just giving you that on a kind of like leveling the playing field giving the most accurate information possible saying Mm. the standard type of vaccines still can have bad side effects still can leave people uh, needing a lifetime of medical care and attention yeah i I mean what i can remember of say the measles mumps rubella uh, one more commonly known obviously as mmr was back when um tony blair was prime minister his children were young there was controversy because he was saying that uh, initially, he was not going to give the MMR vaccine uh, at all to his children, not him or someone to administer it. But then it was said that he would do it in- individually because that was what they were saying was it was the toxic overload of giving them all together was lessened if they were taken individually. Now, whether he did, I think it came to light eventually, knowing what Tony Blair's like, that they weren't given the MMR even individually. Um, It wouldn't surprise me because, um, you know, a big vaccine person at the moment is Bill Gates. And apparently he hasn't vaccined any of his children. So, yeah, it's like the big tech companies don't allow their kids to have smartphones uh, or go on Facebook, which is kind of ironic. So would you say then that, that with the measles, mumps, rubella one, there was some validity in the argument that it overloaded the system by having them all together at once. Um, kind of, especially because of what was known as the aluminium adjuvant um, to try and give it a longer shelf life and um, allow these free vaccines to exist in one vial. Mm. Um, and it seems to be that was the thing that um, was causing adverse reactions in people. Mm. Now, I'm not going to say it caused autism in people because no, um, yeah, that's just going too much out on a limb if you know what I mean but one thing I can say is autism rates are definitely on the rise and they're still going up and this goes beyond just we're picking it up more because we're we're focusing on it more this Mm. is literally more people having it Mm. um, because you can tell that in a stance of take the Amish people yeah they 
all they don't have anything to do with technology they don't have anything to do with modern medicine they certainly don't have vaccines they grow their own food you know they they try and eat healthy and keep to the land and they don't have any autism issues in their societies at all Mm. so it's definitely something we're doing either to the food um to the vaccines to our environment that's causing that sort of rise so it's a combination of kind of like the negative side of an industrialized society it could be but um unfortunately there isn't enough science done on that sector to to prove it because at the end of the day who's going to fund a bit of science to say yeah that lovely cushy world we've built for ourselves <laughs> that that that's causing issues for us yeah so basically yeah thank you for laying a nice little framework there for myself and more importantly for our listeners that those who haven't don't really have an familiarity with the issue of vaccines because it is already before the dreaded covid event came along it's a massively controversial issue yes yeah and you know lots of arguments on either side and um and this whole move towards label as i said earlier anti-vaxxers that whole um agenda now is massively ramping up yeah especially with the new vaccine talk within the the covid vaccine um and this is what i find um really fascinating with this um new type of vaccine yeah perhaps bringing. if you could explain what what's what's um what is new about this particular vaccine? Yeah. So, like I was explaining previously, with the standard vaccines, you either got a dead version of the virus, yeah, or you got um, just a singular part of the virus that your body needed to look out for. Mm. Either which case, it wasn't really going to be an issue because um, even if you did get ill from it, um, it was very weakened anyway. So it was like a, a weakened response. So, like the flu vaccine. Yeah, like some people actually get the flu from having the flu vaccine. Mm. Um, This new type of vaccine is um, completely different in there's no there's no part of the virus in the vaccine itself. So this is the is labelled the mRNA vaccine. Is that right? Yeah. So um, messenger RNA. Yeah. um, Which is literally trying to get into your cells. Yeah. And tell your cells to start producing the spike protein of the coronavirus. So that's what we see with the drawing of the coronavirus, the little spikes. Yeah, the little spikes. The reason it's called corona in the first place. The crown, yeah. Yeah, um, those little bits. Those are the bits that um, not only try and um, inject the virus DNA into our body when the virus is attacking us. It's the bit that um, our immune cells are looking for to say, hey, that's not us. Let's kill it. An important point uh, to check with you, Mike, is this the same with all of the other vaccines that are being de- uh, currently created, like the Moderna one, the one at the John Hopkins Centre in Oxford? It does seem so, um, right. because looking into... That's disturbing. Yeah, because um, looking into this um, vaccine programme for corona-related viruses... Yeah. If we go all the way back to 2003 when SARS, SARS hit, yeah. the original SARS, because yeah. we've got SARS the return right now. SARS the return. Well, they're calling this one SARS-CoV-2, and the yeah. original SARS was just called SARS-CoV. Yeah. Um, so the development of a vaccine is, um, goes back that far, does it? Yes, because um, they, they even talk about reports released in 2003 plus um, about they were worried there might be another release of SARS, so they were working on a vaccine back then. Yeah. And it turned out that everyone they were giving the vaccine to and going, right, they, they've taken it up, they don't seem to be too unhealthy because they've got the vaccine in their body now. Mm. And I'm talking about traditional types of vaccines here that when they then gave them the virus um, about 10 days after giving them the vaccine, Mm. it turned out that it increased the body's reaction to the virus, almost killing everyone off. Really? I say everyone. They're actually using test animals like minks, cats, or uh, monkeys or something like that. Right. So what you're talking about in a very kind of indirect way perhaps is is the fact that what people have spoken about and this is what disturbs me is essentially it will be altering our dna is that correct um it's not quite as simple as no, that no, no. but um essentially kind of yes so bioengineering humans yeah because think of dna as almost like the hard drive for um data within our body yeah. yeah. Um, RNA is almost like the short-term memory that goes between the DNA and creating protein structures. Yeah. Um, and because it's encoding for 
proteins um, and this is essentially what the virus does to your body as well mm. because a virus can't actually live um, alone by itself and reproduce it's not being called 100% alive in no. that respect so it needs your body it needs the cells in your body to infect to then get that cell to produce more virus proteins to construct another virus molecule to go on and infect another cell right and how does this does this relate in any way to like gmo uh genetic um, ma manipulation of say like of wheat crop and things like that um not particularly um because again this is talking about um dna and actually adding new bits of dna within the dna molecule mm. um say if you wanted to add a new um add a new trait to a plant, uh, make it more resistant to drought, more resistant to um, high temperatures or something like that. You have to like get a gene that codes for that in something else and then use some sort of gene editing um, thing to allow that to then go into the new Got you. DNA structure. Yeah. Um, this is using messenger RNA, which is a bit different in respect. Mm. Um, I have to admit, I'm not fully sure on the details here if that will then have a knock-on effect on our DNA afterwards, or if it's just getting into the cell and then um, literally being telling the cell, you're going to create this protein structure now. Yeah. So also, um, we've seen reports that it might affect uh, female fertility, and this relates to the... Um, I'm not sure what it relates to in terms of um, well the phrase is sin sin cytin one uh, and this is used uh, in relationship yeah to the aspect of um, female fertility that might be affected do you know um, anything about that so... right so again I'm not 100% sure on these details but yeah. all I can tell you is if this messenger RNA is literally hijacking your cells to try and create parts of the coronavirus, mm. especially the spike protein in it, um, to which your body then fights off to give you that immunity, mm. the problem is that um, I'm not sure how long they can control you making that spike protein for. If you're literally got to the point of your cells are just creating these spike proteins almost all the time, mm. um, that can be bad news when it comes to immunology when um, you're literally fighting your own body. Right. Autoimmune diseases. Right. You get into that so that's, territory. that could happen to people. The, um, and the other big difference here, and this is why I'm not too sure on um, this, when it comes to what cells it will target. Right. And the similarities, because this one says that um, the spike protein has certain parts of it that are similar to other parts of our body. Mm. And the knock on side effect could be that even though, yes, it will help you um, stop getting the coronavirus, it could also train your body to then start attacking other parts of your body, like they're talking about parts of the, um, what is it, the womb? Yeah. Yeah, I'll link in the description, there's yeah. a, a link to this article about the impact it might have on female fertility. Yeah, yeah which is um, quite interesting, but um, the idea of autoimmune diseases full stop going on the rise because of this is still a major potential, um, especially in the fact when, if you look at the prime data yeah. from Pfizer themselves, by the way, yeah. that they're... On their website. Yeah, 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 literally yeah. from their press release. Yeah. Um, if you look at their stage one trials, there's a huge red flag in the fact that out of 170 people that they used from their stage one trials, yeah, yeah all of these people apparently had um, had tested positive for corona in the first place. Yeah. Uh, the whole idea of a vaccine is you're going to use people that haven't been tested, that haven't been yeah. exposed to it, to see if so they'll get it. Even on that simple level, it goes against you. Yeah. Yep. Then they talk about the fact that the way they um, mix up the groups from their placebo control group to their actual vaccine group, yeah. um, normally you're going to have uh, roughly equal numbers in both to, to give you a, a good sample size to work out what's going on. Yeah. They literally tell you on the press release that 162 of these 70 pe 170 people were in the placebo group. Right. 
and only eight people were in the vaccine group. Right, so it's not a very broad study, is it? Well, that was the preliminary stages, but sure. um, so they're never huge groups in the first place. Mm. But for the fact then to have 162 in the placebo and only eight in the vaccine yeah. um, is quite a red flag um, from someone from my perspective, because, you know, my knowledge here normally comes within psychological experiments. Yeah. And you always have normally the same sort of range yeah, of people of in both groups. Yeah. Um, so to have such a small number in the vaccine group compared to the large number in the placebo is almost them trying to stack the odds in their favour to try and get this approved yeah, easier. You, basically, you set it up to get the results that you want. Yes. Um, so are we right in thinking... Um, oh, sorry, am I right in thinking that... We're actually still they're, they're still carrying out stage three trials, which would carry on for another three years. So this vaccine here in the UK is being rolled out before they've finished the proper testing process. Yes. Um, well, the official statement on their press release is that phase three trials started on the 27th of July this year. Yeah. Yeah. And they will still be collecting um, ongoing data for the next two years. I mean, that information on its own, again, you'd never hear that on the mainstream news channel, would you? No. <laughs> um, so the craziest thing about that is the fact that this is the first vaccine of this mRNA type mm. that has been approved worldwide, full stop. It gets approved on emergency powers when it's... Oh, because we're in a pandemic. Yep. Um, and it literally um, hasn't even finished its ongoing health studies to see what the impact of this is going to be several years down and the line. you telling me earlier, Mike, that apparently there's been um, no proper testing on the main group who, who it's going to be administered to first, i.e. people over 80. Um... So when it comes to medical trials, yeah. it doesn't matter if this is drugs or vaccines, they always scientists always want to get the most purest data they can. Um, so they always control for variables. Mm. And one of the biggest variables that they will actually control for on these tests yeah. is making sure you don't have any other issues that could mess up the data. Because yeah. if you get every single one of your participants has, um, say, an unknown issue that, um, that has a major effect and completely ruins your, your drug and it doesn't work, yeah. and then suddenly you test it on another group and you're like, actually, it worked 100% fine with that group. Yeah. So that's why they want to eliminate anything that could be an issue. So if you've got any other health condition, if you're on any other medicine, yeah. you will be barred from doing these sorts of studies normally, or you'll be removed from it when it turns out that actually you're you're messing up the data so if we just delete person <laughs> 185 um you know it looks all fine now so this is literally how things are done within these industries um yeah and that's why i said it draws such a big red flag for me when it comes to the stage one trials having such small participation numbers yeah. especially in the vaccine group and also what i've gleaned is it, it won't be given to children will it so anyone under 16 will not be given the uh, Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. So why is that then? Um, Lack of testing? Well, I honestly don't know when it comes to the political decisions um, of these. Maybe too controversial. Um, the one that I do know is that when it comes to the um, over 85s, um, people that have got more underlying health conditions mm. seem to be the first group that this is going to be given to. Mm. Um, and it, chances are it could have a major impact on these people more than it would your mm. standard healthy person. Yeah. Um, thank you for that, Mike. What the little bit of uh, research I've done on um, like... Um, natural health websites like a very popular one uh, Mike Adams runs and um, people who are alternative or holistic healers in the world of health. What they're saying is because of the, um, the RNA aspect of this vaccine, unlike other vaccines whereby you can use um, healing techniques to remove the toxins, whatever that might be, because this one uh, will be genetically irreversible, you won't be able to do that with this. Yeah, it's literally putting um, extra parts of DNA slash RNA into your body. Mm. By the way, the difference between the two is almost um, almost non-existent, if in effect. Yeah. It's like the same thing used in different ways, because they're both um, double helix molecules, as far as I'm aware. It's yeah. just one is the... in 
to change between the DNA and the proteins they build. Yeah. Um, so the fact is, this is going into your cells, so you can't flush it out because it's going to be in the cells, not outside. So that, that, to me, is the most disturbing and shocking element of this. Yeah, I mean, put it this way. Like I said, I don't know everything about um, biology or virology, but the idea that it's hijacking your cells to create um, the spike proteins, mm. my first thought and question is, okay then, so how does that stop? Mm. Like, how do you stop... So you set off something that you don't know how it's going to... What's going to happen? Well, my first instinct was, um, okay then, so that will actually get into your cells and start making, like a factory plant, that cell's just making loads of spike proteins. Mm. My first thought from that is, okay, then how do you then stop that cell from creating the spike proteins? Um, as far as I could read, there's no, um, there's nothing I can see about that just naturally stopping over time. Mm. Um, and so my first logical thought from this is the reason this, this vaccine actually needs two doses is the idea that the first dose is to tell your body to start creating these spike proteins, and the second dose is actually a slightly different mRNA molecule that tells it to stop producing these spike proteins. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's just like leaving it to the wind. It, it's, um, I don't know personally why anyone would take it just on that basis alone, the, the untested element, let alone what you're take is uh, on vaccines overall yeah i mean the weirdest part and again i'm not sure how this is going to work either but if your body is creating a super abundance of these spike proteins within your body mm. um if you actually then do con contract the virus doesn't it mean that it's got everything it needs to mega produce itself over and over again because it's got all the tools it needs all around itself? Yeah, it does sound like that, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see after this vaccine's rolled out how many people actually start coming down ill worse. Yeah, than they would have done. Yeah, because at the moment it's almost like you've tested positive, quarantine yourself. Yeah, but I'm not even sick. Yeah. Yeah, such a deadly virus. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's interesting to look at some of the science. Thank you, Mike. If we look at some more aspects of the controversy. So when it was approved, um, I think about a week ago now, there was um, even um, countries in Europe were saying, well, hold on, why have the authority, the regulatory authorities in UK approved it so quickly? Uh, and um, Fauci in America um, came out and said, he doesn't trust this process. And initially he said, um, you know, uh, is it, it are the UK following you know, proper guidelines to get this vaccine approved? And then later, it was actually the same day he came out and said, oh, my words were taken out of context. Um, the go ahead for the vaccine was not rushed. So obviously someone lent on him because he wasn't obviously um, going along with the script. And as I just said, we've had countries in Europe being critical of the British government. And then the British government hit back and said, I saw one report that said, well, Britain's approved it because we're a better country than France or Germany. So even within the international community, even within the whole globalist kind of political landscape, if you will, there's not a uniform approach to this. Um, not particularly. I mean, right now it's all about chaos and uncertainty mm. um, to build up more fear. The reason I particularly think England's been chosen um, for the rollout of the vaccine before any other country well, the UK, yeah. yeah, has definitely, I reckon, related to the fact that um, Brexit is going on. Right. Because, um, you know, conspiracy tinfoil hat moment, <laughs> the powers that be never wanted Brexit to happen. Well, it the goes against the whole globalist agenda. Uh, yeah. um, so the fact is, this is almost our punishment so we can be the... Um, the test people now, you know, will be the guinea pigs. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter. They wanted to get out anyway. So mm. go on, screw you guys. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why it's almost like a lot of these people have turned around and going, oh, well, we, we wouldn't have done that. They're reckless doing that. And then suddenly the the powers that be are coming down on those people, like with Fanchi, and going, yeah. well, actually, you're about two or three weeks behind Britain in this one. Well, so, yeah. um, you know, change your statement. It's coming along soon enough. So linked into that, uh, it's a good uh, salient point to talk about 
the whole um, what we can expect now from the media uh, PR push to push out uh, vax to remove vaccine vaccine hesitancy, shall we say, and get <laughs> and get that Freud, that uh, phrase, yeah, and to get people across the world, obviously, because it's not just because of the UK starting here, to to get um, to get the vaccine. What what can we expect? I mean, personally, I think we're going to see more coercion. We're going to see um, the lightly. Uh, roll out now although the uk government are denying it, of a covid digital health passport um, initially it will just have a record on an app to say that you had the vaccine on that specific day date but inevitably it will be used to to um, mean that you can't um, attend certain sporting events or perhaps go to pubs restaurants bars your local gym your local leisure center unless you can prove on the vax sorry unless you can prove from the app that you've had the vaccine I think we're likely to see that, but that will be done over time. I yeah. also think what they're, yeah, what I've said, I mentioned on a recent video I did on my YouTube channel is uh, there's already been reports in the news that they're going to use so-called sensible celebrities and they'll be shown on TV having uh, the vaccination. So I think there's going to be a big, big onslaught now. They're already calling it not Victory in Europe Day, but just Vaccine Day, which is something I predicted, which I thought would come true. Sorry, what? They just, in order to invoke wartime spirit tomorrow, when the when it's um, the vaccine's rolled out for the first time, they're going to call it V-Day, Vaccine Day. They're just losing, not oh. Victory in Europe Day, not VE, just V-Day. Point, Mike. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I've got to get out of this one. <laughs> is... Also, the, the, the likes of us who don't want the vaccine, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners who don't want it, we're going to be characterised not only as anti-vaxxers, but I think eventually when the rhetoric is upped, domestic terrorists. That's where I think the, the, oh, the, the language... Oh, it was to that point eventually. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what's your point? I definitely agree with this whole coercion thing. Um, there's actually a group within the government right now whose whole they job... They the nudge unit. Yeah, yeah, his whole job right now is figuring out, well, how do we convince everyone to take this? Because mm. they know there's going to be a lot of um, hesitancy towards a... Like, if everyone knew this, this vaccine was a brand new style of vaccine treatment that had never been rolled out worldwide or before... properly tested. ...hasn't had its um, kind of, like, health studies fully finished yet, would suddenly go, fuck that instantly. <laughs> exactly. But they don't discuss it in those terms on the media no no of course not and they're they're presenting this as being like a basic standard vaccine like you've always had all your life so you know, no big deal what you want about so if you refuse the covid vaccine then it's they're equating it to someone that would refuse um the flu vaccine for example well to be fair i don't call myself an anti-vaxxer and i haven't had a vaccine in my body now for the last what when you get vaccines when you're about like five or something? Oh, well, I mean, now they get them as babies, people, so, yeah. No, I mean, the last one I would have had. Probably have 15, about... if you would have. No, no, I didn't get them then. No, oh, right, I didn't have okay. the VCG. Right, okay. But I mean, I'm not... just terrified of hypodermic needles. Well, that, pre that precludes you from any vaccine then. I mean, <laughs> obviously, what we're also going to see is um, the use of the straw man argument or logical fallacy, which... Well, Calling everyone anti-vaxxers who doesn't want it is a straw man argument in itself, basically. Yeah, I mean, we've seen that a lot with so-called COVID deniers. Uh, I mean, how does that work then? Is that just a way in which you can group uh, everyone into a category and discredit what, what they have to say, even if it might be legitimate? Exactly. Um, you make them sound ridiculous. I mean, take it that this when this vaccine was first being announced that it had been passed and we were going to get it soon... Mm. Um, they were talking about the groups that were going to get it first. Mm. NHS frontline workers were on the list to begin with, weren't oh, they? And that's recently changed. They're no longer one of the first groups to be vaccinated, are they? Yeah, and from what I've heard, it's because thousands and thousands of people from the NHS mm. apparently are joining anti-vax groups because they know this sort of stuff that we've just talked about, how it's untested, it's brand new, they don't know the impacts. And because one of the things when you become a doctor or a nurse is do no harm, exactly, they're joining these anti-vax groups just to say, no, we don't support this, well, this is I ridiculous. I saw a newspaper article that said up to 
um, forty percent of NHS workers um, they don't want it. So, and I think that will probably grow over time. Yeah, and imagine if you've got frontline workers who are at the most risk of getting it suddenly going, we don't need this vaccine, we don't want it. This is sure. ridiculous. Yeah, it's not exactly going to look good for the also, vaccine, is it? On an ethical perspective, if they're opposed to this alleged vaccine. How can they administer it? I mean, that poses a, a big ethical question, doesn't it? Well, weren't you saying something to me today, Anthony, about um, how the NHS are trying to literally hire volunteers? They have. They've, um, they've hired 400,000 uh, volunteers, some of which are going to be used to actually administer the vaccine, uh, a large bulk of which will be used as healthcare workers to um, follow uh, people's process. So they're actually going to be tracked and monitored once they've left the GP surgery or the hospital after their vaccine, what are they expecting then? <laughs> well, it's interesting to say that they 400,000. Yeah. That's a hell of a lot of people. Mm. Um, and it seems like they're going to be getting all these people mainly for literally giving the vaccine because they know that most people who really know what's in this vaccine do not want to give it out. So... That answers the question I was asked, uh, just asking about how will NHS NHS staff who don't want to even have the vaccine administer it. Oh, that's why we've got 400,000 volunteers to yep. help with the process. Um, the tracking part makes a lot of sense because now they're, they're definitely concerned that... How many weeks is it between the first one and the second one? I think it's one? two weeks. Yeah, so basically in those two weeks, um, you're more susceptible to the virus. Right. Um, because not only is your body still learning how to fight it off, it's not like, you know, as soon as you got the injection, boom, done, you've got the immunity now. Yeah. Your body is then literally going to, for the next couple of weeks, start producing these spike proteins for your body to then fight off. Mm. Um, so there's the delivery system, how it gets to the cells. There's the time in which it takes those cells to then go, oh, yep, we start to make these new proteins. And then there's the time in which your body um, has to go, oh, God, there's something new on the horizon. What's this mm. to fight it off in the first place? So there's there's a certain time delay in that period. Yeah. And if you've got a load of spike proteins being made in your body, and you do get the virus in that period of time, you will actually come down harder with the virus than if you um, hadn't had the vaccine in the first place. And um, I think it's also important to add that there was always a, an inevitability about the vaccine because from March, from the beginning of the coronavirus outbreak here in the UK, February, March, we were told by the media talking heads, politicians of both sides, it's important to add because there's been no opposition, which yes. again has exposed the fallacy of the left, left, right pantomime show. Um, yeah, when it's, they both agree, you want to be scared. <laughs> well, actually, leftists want stronger lockdowns and longer, but that's a, a whole other argument. The, the solution has always been the vaccine. So all we've ever heard people talk about, as I was saying, is the only way out of this pandemic is the vaccine so they've it's been set up from day one as a fait accompli essentially but that's the bit i really don't understand it's like they say that this um vaccine is 95 percent um uptake or workability to it um the wording behind it is quite odd so i will say um the chances are what they really mean by that is there's a 95 percent chance that um this are mRNA is actually going to be um, taken up within your cells mm. um, rather than 95% effective at um, stopping <laughs> the virus. Yeah. Um, but it really comes down to the idea that it's got a 95% chance of working, but if you don't have the virus, you've got a 99.7% chance of yeah, surviving I, I it anyway. I think I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll trust my good old immune system on that. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, from the evidence that you've presented, um, to our listeners, Mike, it really does feed into uh, and um, the kind of view that there is a, a depopulation agenda to this vaccine. And for many years, the likes of, um, you know, uh, David Icke and uh, Jordan Maxwell, Tex Miles, they've all been talking, these researchers, about that's the ultimate goal. That's yep. where the globalists, the, you know, the dark sorcerers, um, through the various groups that they implement uh, their agenda, that that's been their ultimate goal, if you like, the final playbook, the final scene of the New World Order. 
it almost feels like we're being set up for checkmate and you know both of us like to obviously look things look look view things through a discerning lens yeah but the evidence you've presented as i say it really doesn't i can't say it looks it looks like anything other than you know well a a, a, a really a very negative outcome shall we say for humanity I mean, the way I see this is quite grim and dark in a sense that we're in this cult, the COVID cult. Um, everyone, yeah, I see it as a god, essentially. Everyone yeah. who's in the listening to the mainstream media has brought it hook, line and sinker. Yeah. And we're getting to the point like Heaven's Gate or um, Jonestown where it's like, Right, we're about to start handing out the Kool-Aid. Who wants... Um, about to fly up to the spaceships. Yeah. Come and get your Kool-Aid, everyone. Come sure. and get your Kool-Aid. And, yeah, the way the media is promoting it, everyone will jump to it because they've made it sound like it's the cure-all. It's all you need. And, really, the truth is um, far more interesting than they would like to make you believe. Yeah, and broadening out from a kind of Christian religious aspect, which we're alluding to with your discussion of cults, I see the vaccine as almost like the saviour moment. It's almost like we now, this can this can absolve you, the vaccine can absolve you of all your sins and you'll go to heaven. You know, it's the Christian story, isn't it? See, the weird thing is when you said about, and I still find it hilarious that they're calling this V-Day. <laughs> yeah, V-Day, yeah. Um, for some reason, I've just got images in my head from, um, do you remember the, the series V? Yeah, I remember, I'm old enough to remember the original. Yeah? Back in the 80s, yeah. So, um, well that's what I was remembering. Oh, sorry, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, it's just, you know, we're getting to that point of, we need to have a movement to stand up, you know, two fingers up to the government and say, sod you, here's your V. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, I can think of an organisation and two individuals who I'd like to give a big V to, uh, Mike, and we haven't spoken about. It's important to cover. That's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, of course. Yeah, it's actually quite interesting, really, that um, even though they were hot on the media scene when um, the, the idea or the vaccine was coming about full stop, yeah. um, but now the actual vaccine um, is out here, the, the the perfect you know to see you'd expect to see them on Sky News BBC News yeah because they're almost like the um the salespeople on vaccine full full stop yeah and it looks like because enough people have been waking up to this mm. um every time they've tried to put something on social media about this they literally get um killed with the amount of messages going yeah. sod off we don't need well his you. Twitter account uh, Bill Gates Twitter account I think. Uh, it got flooded with so many negative comments that I think eventually had to be closed. So, yeah. yeah. And it's not even that. When a news article um, promotes something about Bill Gates on their website or on Facebook, it too gets harassed by so many negative comments. They're like, let's just not mention Bill Gates anymore because sure. um, he seems to be the bad guy in all this. Um, which, by the way, going to something that I found out recently with all the bad side effects that you can get from vaccines, yeah. um, is it turns out that um, worldwide, in the last like five, ten years, through um, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, have yeah. caused about 20 different polio outbreaks across the world really? with their polio vaccine schemes. My God. And of course, they, they uh, deliberately create charitable or a charitable foundation so they can they can escape the normal kind of regulatory framework. Yes, definitely. Um, they're literally free of all of this because they're essentially a charity, not a medical organisation. So they're only down to the charity laws, not the medical laws. So they fly under the banner of philanthropy, but essentially they're like demons. Almost so. Um, a lot of, what was it, in India at the moment, there's lots of court cases against the, the, the yeah. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. But Some reports suggest that the, the organisation was actually you know banned and they were thrown out of well, the country. Technically, uh, they weren't thrown out of the country. They were just, um, I think there was a ban on them administrating any yeah. more vaccines sure. until the court case had ended. Yeah. But like um, the issue is, of course, these court cases go on for years. Yeah, and um, they're intentionally dragged out. I mean, take for example, if you just have a standard MMR vaccine, um, it could leave you disabled, leave you needing healthcare for the rest of your life. That's a lot of cost. And in this country, um, if I'm pretty sure it's this country, if you 
turn around to try and sue the vaccine maker, they will go, we've got immunity, you can only sue your government or the NHS, mm. in which case you will only get £125,000 from the lawsuit, even if you win. Christ, that wouldn't even touch the side. So I believe it's also the case with this Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, Mike, that uh, there's a disclaimer in terms, in terms of prosecution, people being able to prosecute. Well... Every single vaccine yeah. and every single vaccine creator yeah. since about the 70s or 80s, I believe, mm -hmm. has had immunity written into the law. <laughs> right. From any negative side effects of the vaccine, mm -hmm. any people want to sue that company. I mean, the only reason why the FDA, say going to America now, has only ever banned vaccines is because the government goes, we're paying too much out in um, vaccine lawsuits. Mm -hmm. So they ban that vaccine. Um, so, it, you know, just because it's turned out to be that bad. Mm. But one of the things that I find crazy of this is there's never a burden of proof on these vaccine manufacturers of their health studies. Mm. They just get approved on like, look, here's our cherry pick data to make it look good. Mm. Kills enough people, damages enough people for the country to go, no, we're not having this anymore. Mm. And that's the way it works every time. And so that's to, what would have potentially happened in India, is that? Yeah, and to be honest, that's <coughs> what I reckon is going to happen with this um, COVID vaccine. Yeah, it's going to start having a negative impact, not necessarily straight away with COVID itself. Mm -hmm. It might have, you know, more effects later down the line because we're messing around with stuff that we don't truly understand. You know, when it comes to DNA technology, um, humanity's still on the stepping stones to get there. Yeah, um, we know a few little things code for this here or there, but when we take the entire genome into itself we're like yeah we know what this bit does but we've got no idea what about 80 percent of the dna does there's two other areas i just want to cover as we come towards uh towards the end of the hour mike and that is firstly normally we know that the control system right um normally uses i call it a uh, slow long kill right yeah. so what we have is toxins in our food in the environment um we have uh you know we have things like chemtrails geo geoengineering geo can't get my words out yeah. we have cancer causing chemicals so we have diseases that develop long term through the toxicity of the environment we live in yeah. right so it's not a, a quick kill what you're describing potentially i need to add that potentially could look look at something that's much more of a hard quick kill so th why do you think there's this movement then are they running out of time the evildoers what's actually going on here because this leads to the second question why are they pushing this vaccine agenda so quickly when it's just exposing them so many people are now beginning to question the government and the authorities well i think um this all comes to what we were talking about on our last episode about the the great reset essentially versus the great awakening yeah so this is within the great reset plan yeah essentially the idea is um trying to literally bankrupt every single country it's almost like a scorched earth policy yeah and so if now this vaccine doesn't have just one vaccine dose per person it's got two vaccine doses sure. per person yeah. you're doubling the cost of everything absolutely um and this is why from a business reason having this rmna um kind of like design yeah is almost perfect if it works the way i think in which you need one vaccine to tell you to produce those spike proteins and then another vaccine to tell your body to stop producing those spike protein vaccines so do you think that business model is the thing that's driving is the overriding concern and they're almost not that worried about how many people it kills and you know to what extent those those numbers will show over time i believe so i'm sorry i don't mean to speak in those terms in a callous yeah. way um but i honestly think the only people this is really gonna um really hinder and hurt to begin with um is the older infirmed or immune compromised people so they're, out there. the very people that are going to receive it first yes um now this is the interesting one um because it won't necessarily kill them per se no and when it comes to um you know the the kind of like the reports it's like well we gave them to the vaccine but it was just too late it was already in their system and it just took over right. um but so the... they have many sorry to interrupt they have many 
uh, memes and messages within the media that they can run if there is a spike in deaths. Ultimately, just blame COVID. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, from a financial perspective, um, it does seem to be a push to... Oh, pardon me. It does seem to be a push to try and kill the older generation, right. um, especially when it comes to... Um, pensions and things like that pension costs i mean that was part of the lockdown was to and we we know we now know that official st statistics show in the uk more people have died as a result of lockdown social isolation depression suicide than the supposed virus than the, the virus ever has so yeah. um this just shows you that this literally does seem to be a whole plan of helping kill more people off mm. and the people that are left alive are going to be depressed afraid and listen to whatever the government and as says. i was just saying mike it does if they are literally going to go with this as we were talking about in the last episode this idea of a great reset well what happens when you have a, a great reset or what happens during world wars as we said lots of people die yeah oh just had a thought yeah interesting one now over this whole um, COVID period for the last, what, six, eight months, however long About this has been months. going on, yeah. um, I've always assumed that the perfect plan would always to be to release two different viruses. Yeah. The first one, that uh, once several you know get one everyone fear suddenly they um lose that fear they go back to, to work and then i thought they would try and release a second more deadlier version of the virus to be like see told you so you conspiracy people yeah. you know it's like pulling the rug from under yeah, yeah. Um, but the fact is that they haven't done that yet no it's and, like the switcheroo the switch hasn't quite happened wasn't it you said something about this country has ordered over 300 million over doses. 300 million doses of all those that are in development the vaccine why so, do they need that many yeah and it just occurred to me that um chances are that this vaccine will go out to the whole country and then it will be like oh a lot of people are starting to die and they'll use that as the, oh my God, the vaccine has mutated, uh, not the vaccine, the virus has, has mutated. mutated. Exactly. And then it's like, oh God, we can't rely on the Pfizer vaccine anymore. We need to go for this company's vaccine. Yeah, you've just, well, that, that is, that's exactly, and you, and as we know, the medium is the message. So whatever the, the mainstream medium we've seen with the election, how, you know, everyone in my life predominantly thinks that um, Biden won the election. You know, so what I mean is how they the mainstream media spins the message and they could yeah. easily just say, well, it's mutated. Oh, my God. And yeah. It's killing loads of people. You know, it's no fault for us. But the chances are um, allowing everyone to create so many spike proteins all at once is almost like, um, storm. yeah, you know, it's almost like um, the virus being on cloud nine going before I had to produce everything myself, <laughs> you know, assemble the proteins and then send it out. And now it's just I turn up into a body and everything I need is already there. I think it's important to add at this point, Mike, for our listeners, that's a kind of worst case scenario where we're playing out. Hopefully it won't come to the fact that lots of people are die and then the media will run with that. Let's hope something happens to, to, to turn that around well in the grand scheme of things unfortunately um it may be a case of we need people to die right. and i know that might sound horrendous and um you mean people it, the, the world has to experience that in order to sort of push this idea of a waking up process is that right possibly um i'm not sure what it's going to take for the world to to wake up or to... how many we need to reach a so-called uh critical point or critical mass exactly um all these things are unknowns all i'm saying is eventually there's going to be kind of like a certain amount of people that will wake up to say no we're not taking this anymore mm. um on a collective human scale on the whole planet how many of that needs to happen no it's idea anyone's guess. Yeah. yeah how much we need to be pushed before we stand up for ourselves is anyone's guess. and the big question people often throw at me rightly so is what does the pushback look like? Well, again, <laughs> we won't know until no, it happens. No, because the, the conditions on the ground will have morphed between. Yeah, I mean, I know certain ways which I would like to see it happen, but that's yeah. just my own perspective. Yeah, and we'll probably share more ideas around your utopia in the coming weeks and months on Discerning Consciousness. 
So, Mike, I think we'll just draw things to a conclusion now and just have a little bit of a summary before some positive closing thoughts, I think. Which yeah, we need to add some positivity yeah, so, to this episode. So, in, in summary, it's <coughs> important to say that the, uh, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine that's just been approved here in the UK is not just another vaccine. Uh, there are many legitimate questions Yeah, it's the first one, of its, first one of its kind to be released to this world. Yeah, the RNA aspect of it yeah and there needs to be a, a proper debate um around um how we take things forward because there's there's still two more years of study that needs to take place on the third third tier aspect third stage i should yep. say stage three so that in a, in and of itself i mean when you know our listeners have conversation with people who are shall we say pro the COVID vaccine, that's a good information to share with them is to say, do you realise it's actually still um, still got uh, almost two years of testing to take place? Is that something you want to take? Yeah, well, not quite testing, really, just observations, data collections Trials, yeah, and yeah. seeing what the health implications are many yeah. years down the road. Yeah, I mean, and of course, the fact that it's been approved under emergency powers because we're in a pandemic or plandemic, that's something else that's worth raising to people. Yeah. So in a sense, we can see, uh, hopefully from the information that we've shared, that it's a deeply irresponsible rollout uh, of this particular um, vaccine. And I've seen um, lots of information shared online whereby even virologists and eminent um, scientists are coming out and saying, um, you know, who are against any COVID vaccine. Yeah, um, it's basically the very statement of, well, hang on, if it's got a survival rate of 99.7% anyway. Sure, yeah. Why do we need a vaccine for it? It's almost like going, oh, do you need to get your cold vaccine? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. You get a cold, you know, yeah. you're a bit sniffly for a bit and you get over it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, as I was saying, Mike, I just want to leave our listeners with this perspective, which is, and you alluded to it about the fact that people may have to die because it fits into this idea that there's a grand a grand or bigger picture going on yeah i mean like i wish no one would have to die through no. bad negative things like this but you know it's one of those things where we we live in a wider world than just a simple westernized oh let's make sure everyone's safe and lives for as long as possible mm. um people die every day it's just one of those facts of life that we you know as westerners don't necessarily um have in our world we kind of like hide it from ourselves as best as possible and it could be that um you know if we start seeing these deaths go up because of the vaccines being released we might start going well hang on what's going on here start asking more questions whereas if um the vaccine did work um everything's fine you know every nothing to worry about that's not waking people up no say. and i think so... waking people up can be just as simple as pete you know it triggering people to um, look at the world in a different different way and not just externally to look at aspects of their own personal life. I think that's important because we get yeah. fixated on the vaccine, COVID, the US election, all these external things. Hey, I hold my hand up if you could see it. Uh, and you know, Mike, that I fall, fall prey to that being quite a very political person and yeah. liking, you know, doing years of research into alternative material but we need to realize it's it does as we said in previous recordings like on the hero's journey it does come down to what we can do in our own world yeah so when people wake up they wake up to either the outside conspiracies or the internal spirituality of themselves mm. and if you're focused always on the outside you're not really doing work on yourself and if you're doing work on just yourself you're not mm. really um, paying attention to what's going on in the outside world mm. so it's the idea to try and maintain a balance on both if you know what i mean um, and just lastly i just want to finish on this point that um, i've heard uh through various uh, youtube channels that i watched that you know this discussion around there's two competing timelines and one is the kind of vaccine new world order where lots of people die and one is where we move into a kind of more evolved um, dimensional reality on this earth as we shift to the 5d and also with this there's this idea that we've avoided a timeline that involves massive earth changes on this planet that could potentially you know um kill millions of people like perhaps uh, yellowstone blowing or the san andreas fault line now it might be with what you were talking about mike with this kind of 
more zoomed out plan that does involve unfortunately people dying from the vaccine it could be that that's a timeline that avoids us having to go to the level of major earth changes which could potentially mean billions of people dying we just don't know do we there's so many things yeah i mean one thing i hate about um seeing videos on youtube or hearing other podcasts when people start talking about this in a very definite oh we know this is going it's to be arbitrary isn't it yeah any anytime someone says for a definite um about something that just is still so up in the air um i tend to back away from because it's like mm. hang on are you being grounded and saying that or are you off in your own little kind of like um dream world and assuming that's the reality well, i think we can all fall into the trap of uh, believing in material just because we want it to happen or some sort of safety or some sort something to grab onto to mm. kind of like with everything that's going on in the world at the moment you know everyone's up in the air themselves and they mm. they feel like they're falling. their own personal lives yeah, yeah. So anything to grab onto is just kind of like a, a godsend for their soul right now. Yeah, and um, I'll just finish on this point. that I The reason why I've grabbed onto the certainty of Trump being inaugurated on the 20th of January is in the midst of all this chaos, it's almost like one certainty I can hold on to. Do you know what I mean? It, 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 can, be, um, it can be all too easy to not to be discerning, you know, and, and to, to want to um, see specific outcome yeah i have to admit i've almost done the opposite i've taken all my energy and effort away from like the the conspiracy stuff the the vaccine stuff covid you name it the way i see it is almost like imagine a tv being on in the in the living room and you just pop in you view it for a little bit and go what the hell is this crap make sure there's still a signal occasionally <laughs> you know what the hell is all this crap you're watching everyone starts talking about it and you're like oh okay Seems kind of rubbish. I'm just going to go and do my own <laughs> thing now. Yeah, bye. Sure, you yeah. know, just pop in every now and then. Just, you know, check what's the ridiculousness going on now. Yeah. Like you telling me about the V-Day thing. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. I still... <laughs> yeah, it's all right. You might need years of therapy to recover. From <laughs> no, it's not even like we finished it. Because, you know, VE Day was Victory Day. In Europe, yeah. How can you call it victory when you haven't even started uh, uh, I know. giving it to oh, people don't, yet? The media don't worry about oh, nuances it's like just ridiculous. That. I know. Anyway, thank you, uh, Mike, for uh, your contribution. Well, it's always um, fun to come on these podcasts and yeah. uh, speak what I know. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so thank you, all you guys, for listening. We hope we've managed to uh, share a kind of discerning uh, perspective with regards to the Pfizer BioNTech, which has just been approved in the UK, because it is all too easy, Mike, isn't it, to just become very dark and just click into the kind of um, stereotypical conspiratorial angle. So hopefully yeah. we've given a, a kind of balanced view. Yeah, definitely, because um, the way the media just wasn't giving any information full stop about what was really going on with the, the vaccine itself, yeah. uh, we really wanted to, well, especially me, just really wanted to give the you know the proper information well the best i could find of it because what i find is everything's being obfuscated as much as possible these days to to truly find out the details is almost like um you gotta pay through the nose to get it yeah sure so as long as we've given the best information we can we can find out to give to you guys so you can um make a more informed decision and consent when it comes to the vaccine Absolutely. if you still want to get it go for it that's your provocative but if you've listened to the information go well hang on second thoughts sure i'll i'll wait to see how everyone else deals I'll, with I'll it i'll pass on that so before we leave you today uh, just a reminder that you can catch me uh, ant on all your favorite social media outlets and the links are in the description below this episode and also if you could share this episode on your own social media platforms and also um to follow us on the Podomatic site, that would help us out tremendously. So I'll just leave you all with these wise words once again. Remember folks, uh, especially at this time, as yep. I always <laughs> add, if you're not in control of your consciousness, then someone else is. Bye for now.